Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host the most, as always, Adel Marcy, and today we have a spectacular guest on the show, is the one and only Rob Moore. Now, for those that don't know who he is, he is a multi-faceted entrepreneur, in my opinion. He's prolific as fuck. He's written, uh, by the time the show comes out, he's actually going to be working on his 15th book. Um, he has one of the best podcasts out there, which is the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast, just basically this guy's knowledge will melt your face. So when you're going through this episode, please make sure that you actually have a notepad and pen. This is one of the very few times I do the introduction after I've done the show, but I really want to nail this down. Um, so guys, go ahead and check out the Disruptive Entrepreneur uh, as well as robmore.com. Consume everything this guy has. It's absolutely brilliant. And you'll realize why when you go through this episode. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I'm with Adil Amasi uh, for the podcast, Adil Amasi Unplugged. Adil, thanks a lot for having me on your show. Hey, Rob, thanks for having, for coming on to the show, man. I'm so pl- proud and happy to have you here. My pleasure. Looking forward to spending 45 minutes with you. Hi to everyone on Instagram Live. Let me know where you're from and if you've got any questions. Facebook Live, let me know where you're from and if you've got any questions. Adil, I'm all yours. Hit hey, me. Guys. Cool. Awesome. And as always, guys, thank you so much for doing this. And if you do have questions, please go ahead and send them through so we can answer them as we go through. So uh, right off the bat, as always, for this podcast, the first thing I want to do is just very quickly for my audience, if you guys don't know who Rob is already, uh, check out robmore.com. The dude is incredibly multifaceted. One of the best content creators I've actually like been following. You've had a hell of a lot of great guests, especially people like Jordan Peterson, Maisie Williams. Uh, Frank Bruno, and again, some very controversial people as well that has been incredible. But my first question right off the bat has to be, what got you to switch up your style? Because when I was doing my research on you, I realized that when you were 25, I think it was uh, 25 to 30, you were around 50K in debt as an artist, and then it just switched. Like the light bulbs came on and you just flew. So my question is, what was it in your mindset that shifted? Uh, so it was December the 15th, 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back, what, 15 years before that, my, my dad, dad had raised me to be an entrepreneur. He was an entrepreneur himself. I loved following him around when he was buying pubs and bars and hotels and clubs and going to auctions to buy all the stock, the kitchenware, um, all, all the stock for the bars. And, and I really looked up to my dad and wanted to be like him. Uh, but then I left uh, school after GCSEs right. and went, went from a private school to a state school because it was my choice because I wanted to get a bit more life experience. I got a lot more life experience, but that was in um, hanging out with friends, drinking, socialising, uh, and my grades sort of went a bit... Down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, down the toilet. And... Um, and I kind of lost my way in terms of who I was or what and what I wanted to be. And I left university. I worked in my dad's pub. I was planning to do it for two weeks just to help him out while he was getting better because he wasn't very well. And I ended up working there for four years. Wow. And I'm 25, nearly 26. And my life has just completely drifted away. No ambition, no drive, probably a little. I was definitely fearful, had no confidence, although that would come across in like defensiveness or arrogant, arrogant, arrogance or apathy. 
Um, and working in my dad's pub on December the 15th, 2005, long story really short, he had a massive nervous breakdown. The police were called. They beat him up pretty much. Oh, beat him to the floor with a pair of truncheons. Um, sectioned him. This all happened in front of all my customers, my dad's customers in the pub. And I just watched it happen on the front lawn of my dad's pub while all the customers were watching. And it, like, I wouldn't say I got a eureka moment, but I'd say for at least a week, I just beat myself up feeling shame that I wasn't doing anything with my life, that I was part responsible for what had happened with my dad, that I hadn't pursued my own path. I'd relied too much on my parents. I was too comfortable. I didn't have anything I could call mine. Um, and because my dad was at that point very ill, I knew I had to make some strong, tough decisions in my life. Yeah. So I, I set up as an artist. I thought I need to do something that will make money as well. So I, I started looking around um, for opportunities, of which property was one of them. A gallery owner of mine, um, he was into property and he kept telling me to go to these property events. And I, I didn't want to go around all these commercial people. I was into Rage Against the Machine. I hate capitalism. <laughs> I hate people who are rich. Yeah. Um, but I suppose desperation is quite a motivator. So I, I went along to the first one I ever went to. I met my business partner there, the last person I ever spoke to. Um, and then fast forward to now, I own, co-own, manage about 850 properties, either half with Mark or a good equity share or in my letting agency. Yeah, I mean. Probably do 15 to 20 million pound a year in our training business. Obviously, I've written all my books, got all my podcasts. Yeah. Um, and the mindset shift, which was your question, Adil was, um, I would say it was fueled by motivation, sorry, by desperation that turned into motivation. It was fueled by shame and guilt and a realization that if I didn't do anything with my life, it was going to carry on drifting down the wrong path. Because sometimes in your life, you wake up and you're like, well, where have, where have 10 years gone? It's not like you fail dramatically. It's just day by day, you just gently drift off course. And that was me. And some of the things that I did to drift me on court, of course, were to help my family, but they weren't serving me. Um, and then I started reading personal development books, read Think and Grow Rich, read reading a load of um, autobiographies. So I'd say the mindset shift was um, I'm responsible for my own life. I can't blame anyone. I have to be fully responsible. I have to take control. I have to make some hard decisions. Uh, but if I do, then anything that I want, whether it's to be an artist or a property investor or an influencer or an author or a podcaster, it is possible. I don't have to know how. I just have to know that I want to do it. I've, I've written a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later. And I suppose that was the mentality I took. Let's go and find out what's out there in this world because I, re I now realize there's so much abundant opportunity. I'm writing a book at the moment called Opportunity. It'll be my 15th book. Wow. And in the research of this book, um, I have pretty much found that there is an infinite amount of simultaneous opportunities in and around us simultaneously that it's, it's just so crazy to feel like you're not lucky. You don't have opportunity. Oh, yeah. you, you weren't born successful. Other people are, are luckier or better than you. Um, it's just ridiculous to think like that now.
I would agree. I, I would say today we're in a society where opportunity is in full abundance. Like, it is nowhere near as hard as it was for our parents. Yeah. Like, nowhere near. Even then, yeah. it was still quite abundant. But, like, I'd say from the time of our grandfathers, it's gotten progressively easier to find opportunity. But I also feel like our blinders have come on a lot more as a society. So we're not seeing them as much. Mm. But there is a big boom, which is lovely. We have a lot more entrepreneurs today than we did before. There are more millionaires and billionaires in the world. And very similar to you, I grew up on Rage Against the Machine, Radiohead, and thankfully I did read that you're a Rammstein fan as well. Yeah, so I love this music and I still love it to this day, but it's not exactly the most uplifting music to get you to think in a big picture way to go and take on the world. It is a little bit political, anti-capital, and um, so now I love the music for the music, but not for the cultural statement that I was trying to make. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's also, sorry to just interrupt here, I, I was right. going to say uh, something that I would agree with you entirely. I believe that once you hit a certain point of mindset, when you listen to music and watch movies that can be quite debilitating, you've understood there's a mental shield that you've put up saying, I like this, but I'm not going to let it influence me. Yeah, I think it's really important what you put in your brain. Yeah. And if, if I, I like to watch documentaries. Now, I generally on Netflix and Apple TV and Sky, I gravitate towards the ones on successful people like Ayrton Senna, um, you know, or Alexander McQueen or Steve Jobs or whatever, um, because I'm on a pursuit to be a more successful person. But occasionally it's, of course, okay. I'm not the sort of person that says never watch any TV. Yeah. But I don't watch sitcoms. And I'll occasionally watch a series. And if it gets a bit depressing and it starts to depress me, I'll stop it. Yeah. I, because I, I realize it's influencing me. So now I want to watch something that's uplifting, positive, inspiring. Now, by the way, that's not to say I'm all happy, clappy, and oh, yeah, everyone's got to be happy, happy, joy, joy. I'm not saying I can't handle some darker moments. Like the, the McQueen documentary is quite dark, yeah. but it's also very motivating and, and inspiring if you see it for that. But yeah, the podcast you put in your head, the media you put in your head, the TV and the radio you watch and you listen to, the people you hang around with, that is all having an influence by osmosis in your mindset. We, we are naturally creatures who react to the environment. So, you know, like some creatures don't have eyes because they don't need them. And I, when you go back far enough, we originate from creatures that didn't have eyes because we didn't need them. Um, and so our eyes are actually a reaction to the environment. Uh, and people don't understand this. So what you put in your head creates your mindset. So if, if you and I, um, Adil, split into a parallel universe and you and I went hung and hung around with the most successful, positive, happy, inspired, motivated people for 10 years straight, all day, every day, in our ear, you can do this, you're going to do this, think positively, think glass half full, help people, serve, solve problems, you and I are going to change. If in the parallel universe we hang around with negative, grumpy victims, who are always blaming, complaining, defending, justifying, hating, critiquing all the time, in our ears, all day, every day, no matter how strong our mindset is, you and I are going to change. So we are, we are naturally creatures who react to our environment. Yep. Therefore, what you put in your head is vital. So, yeah, I, I, like, I like rock and metal because I've been brought up on it. It doesn't actually depress me. Even if the lyrics are a bit depressing, it motivates me now because I, the sound motivates me. Agreed. You know, but, but yeah, if anything starts to get too depressing on, on series, I've been it. 
I get rid of it. Um, you know, you are what you put in your mind. You know, they say you are what you eat. Yep, well, you, you are. are what you put in your mind. So you get sucked into politics, debating, trolling, hating, criticizing, depressing media. That's going to become you. Yeah. No, I agree with you entirely there. Just simply because um, over the last... Uh, so just so the people are listening, I just only turned 30. So I'm actually heading into the next decade of my life. And the incredible thing is over the last 10 years, because I've been doing what I've been doing since I was 18. So I've always been more or less in business. I've always pushed away, pushed to the highest level I could do. And that entire mindset has been conducive to how I think. But it's scary to me to look back at my school friends, the people I hung out with. And I love them to pieces because we still hang out from time to time. But it's incredible to see how our mindsets have changed simply by the people that we hung around. I hung around more business people, more entrepreneurs, people who were hungry, that were moving forward, that were striving for success. And a lot of them, unfortunately, stayed around the same people that, you know, we grew up with. Um, it was kind of very mediocre. And I'm from Leicester, so it's, uh, you know, for my American friends that are listening to this, it's a small town in um, the Midlands, comparative to America. And it's incredible. There's not a huge amount of success, but it's scary to see that my friends are actually happy to make 30, 40, 50,000 pounds a year. And that's like a huge element of success for them. Whereas for me, that doesn't seem like enough. Yeah. For me, I, I want to be greater because I want to have a bigger impact in life. And that leads me to actually ask you this question. And it's one that I personally love from your presentation when I saw your EE it, um, when was it, in June? That's when I first Expert, saw you. Expert Empires, yeah. Yeah, Expert Empires yeah. in June. Again, uh, just very recently, about two weeks ago in November. What I absolutely loved about your presentation, loved about what you do, is that you have this incredible way of looking at content creation, production, and putting it out there. And um, it's it's going to sound really strange because it's like an offshoot of a thought that came in for, for me from when you were speaking. It's seeing where you are and how quickly you put yourself in different places, different social medias, and you grow them like crazy. My question is, how do you actually come up with that content at the level that you do and at the speed that you do and the quality, by the way? Okay. I'm going to answer three questions, and that's going to be the last one um, linked okay. to two things you said. So you said it's probably the best time and an exciting time to be an entrepreneur. I agree. You talked about moving away from your friendship circle, and then you asked me about being prolific with content. I'm going to answer all three of them because I, I want everyone to, to get these important messages. I believe it's the most exciting time in history to be an entrepreneur. I believe looking back historically, because I've studied this through my book Money and, and, and other research I've done, the times where it's been the most exciting to be a business person or an entrepreneur are when the, the concept of the networking effect has been the most prevalent. So there's times in history where there are great enablers. So one, one, when steel was produced, steel then produced the rail network and rail was a great enabler because it connected us more quickly and, and made us more local and connected. Because you know you could get on a pretty fast train and get somewhere much quicker than you used to be able to. Then there was telecommunications, radio waves, which connected us on the phone to people on the other side of the planet. And then of course, as that got better, there was video connection to the other side of the planet. But the biggest enabler of all and the, the enabler, which can be leveraged on leveraged on leveraged, and so many things can be layered on top, is the internet. Now, the internet used to be slow because it used to be on um, dial-up, yeah. literally on, on cable. But now it goes through fiber optics at the speed of light. We're moving into internet 3.0. So um, 
each networking effect breakthrough, whether it's in the 20s or the 70s or the noughties, um, has got quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. And now you can reach anyone in the world at the speed of light, yeah. instantaneously. And then, of course, on top of the internet, you've got app software systems, communications, social media. With social media, we can reach, reach people all over the world in a nanosecond. So I, I, that's why I think it's the most exciting time in history. It doesn't take 10 years to be an overnight success anymore. There's kids on YouTube who are seven years old making 20 million plus yep. on their YouTube channels. So best time to be an entrepreneur. Also, our world now has the biggest problems. And what do entrepreneurs do? Solve problems. Friends and, 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 and circles. I am not going to talk down about any person or circle or network. I am going to say, if you're clear on who you want to be, you should hang around with people who are already there. So if you want to be a sportsman, hang around with successful sports people. You know, if you want to have a good career, hang around with bosses and bosses and bosses. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, you need to hang around with millionaires, entrepreneurs, fire starters, disruptors, innovators. So just be clear on who you want to be. And, and probably like you, Adil, I'm clear I want to be an entrepreneur. So I want to hang around with people who are solving the world's biggest problems, the millionaires, the billionaires, the successful people, the wise people, the experienced people in that domain. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm still good friends with people from school, I'm still good friends with people from uni. They're all on their own journey. I'm on mine. They probably think I'm a bit crazy. <laughs> all right. Your third question about how do I put so much content out in so many places and um, I guess the prolific nature is when you find what you love to do and you get to do it every day, you're more effective, more productive, you're more passionate, you're more inspired, you're faster, you're better. You're more energized, you're more enthused, you're more hungry, you're more motivated, you're more inspired. And for people who haven't found that yet, I would simply ask you to ask yourself this every day. Now, from the age of 18 to 25, I didn't ask myself this once in seven years, which is why I, I, I didn't find what I was looking for, because I wasn't asking the question. Yeah. You can't find what you're not looking for when you're not asking the question. So you don't get in your car and say to Satnav, take me wherever you want me to go. You don't do that. So ask yourself every day when you get up and before you go to bed, who am I and what do I want to do with my life? Who am I? What do I want to do with my life? Who am I? What do I want to do with my life? It might take you a week, a month, a year, five years. You might pivot in different industries. You might try things and, and maneuver along. But whether it's next week, next month, next year, next decade, you're going to find the answer at some point. And when you find the answer, and for me, it's helping as many people on the planet get better financial education to help people start and scale their businesses. And that is through social media, books, podcasts, um, online training, physical events, public speeches, you name it. I don't care what the media is. I'm all over all the media because the media helped me get my message up to the masses. That's why I'm all over them. So when you, you don't, you know those boilers, you can see, look into a boiler and it's got a little pilot light. Yeah. Well, I think we've all got a little pilot light there. But how do we go and find that and set ourselves on fire by asking the question, who am I and what do I do, want to do with my life? And I started answering that question from the age of 26. And, yeah, you, you know, you get to 30s and your 40s. I'm 40 now. And, you know, maybe things change and they maybe get bigger or they maybe grow or they maybe evolve. That's all fine. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm motivated. I'm inspired. I'm energetic. I love creating content. I love sharing it with the world. So the answer to why do you do so much is because I love doing it and it's easy. And, um, you know, take a 15-year-old kid, give them a PlayStation, and you don't need to give them heating, 
water, food, or sleep for 15 hours straight. You don't need to because they are happy gaming. And I like that as the give a coder a massive problem. You know, someone who loves to hack and code. Yep. They're not like, oh, you know, you give me this massive problem. Oh, why me? Why now? No, they're like, roll up their sleeves, give me some ramen noodles, and get the fuck out of my way. And they're going to code for days on end because they're, they're inspired, they're, they're passionate, they're energetic. So, um, I do this podcast with you, Adil, happily, without being paid, because I know I can reach more people, and I like having these conversations, and I do it on Instagram Live at the same time, and I do it Facebook Live at the same time. So on a practical level, leveraging your time, so this will, this will create three assets. It will be Instagram Live, Facebook Live, and your podcast. We'll also record it, and if we need an extra asset for my podcast, Adil, it might go on my podcast in the future. Yeah, that's so, awesome. On, on a practical level, how do you get prolific and out there more is you create a piece of content and then you repurpose it across multimedia. Now, had I not done a LinkedIn Live last night, because about two a week is the optimum, I'd be LinkedIn living it here as well, because this is probably good content for LinkedIn. So I could create five pieces of content, should I choose. Um, now, um, my outsourcer might get little excerpts that might be for um, Instagram or for YouTube, so I could create 10 or 15 pieces of content. You were expert empires watching me speak, Adil. Uh, Kieran, who's uh, head of social media here, he was recording it for a live. The videos were recorded, which we'll get to put on our Instagram and YouTube. So having a passion and a fuel and a hunger and a desire means you're just going to put it all out there. But then being smart about where you record it and how you record it and repurposing it across multimedia means it looks like you're everywhere. In fact, I'm in my little studio in Peterborough. <laughs> but that is actually quite powerful, the way that you do it. And that's actually inspiring me to go and say, you know what, fuck it, 2020, let's just go crazy with it. It'll be brilliant. And that's that's actually the powerful thing, because this show, and I've even just looking at it, we've done um, there's 191 episodes live, and there's 250 that have been recorded and ready to release at different points. Wow. Well done. Thank you. Um, and the craziest thing about all of this is that I've looked at it and gone, why the hell am I not repurposing some of this? Because some of the content yeah. that's on that is absolutely gold. And, and like some of the people we've had on, like yourself and a few other people as well. So yeah. definitely, that's a huge inspiration for me. So, so thank you for that. That's right. And quickly, we'll give you the recording of this because we're in my studio. And then you can use it for YouTube, Instagram. We do that now with our guests. We record them. We cut all the assets up into YouTube. Instagram cuts and edits, we give them the, the audio files and then they can use it on all their social media. That's awesome. And of course that helps everyone else along the way as well because that's just brilliant. Um, so my question, so one of my last, one of my favorite questions really to ask on the show uh, has to be more around, actually, no, I'm going to ask you this question specifically because you've written so many books. If someone was to start out with, say, three books that they had to read of yours out of the 14 that you've written so far because the 15 still coming out what three would you suggest they start with like this these three just go with these and run with it okay so i wrote a book called life leverage which was my first non-property book and so that's about um, growing faster systemizing outsourcing having a modern take on leadership which is not just hard work but smart work not just graft but craft leveraging systems, software, apps, and the, 
the newer world we're, we're in, where you can build a remote team, you can run your life from your laptop or your smartphone, leveraging social media, etc. So if you are, if you're wanting to grow or you're overly busy or you're stuck, that would be the book. Money is probably, pound for pound money is my most successful book. I mean, I've sold more copies than I've leveraged, but that's only because it's a longer, older book. But uh, for example, um, I'm very, I'm, I'm bigger in Korea than I am in the UK because of my book money. Really? So it, it, money is a holistic research project on all things money. The story, the history, the psychology, the mindset, the strategies, the tactics. Um, so if you want to earn more money and understand money, not just from an economics point of view, but a mindset and an emotional point of view and from studies from the titans of wealth over the history of time, that's the book for you. If you are worried, if you're a procrastinator, if you're not doing enough, if you're getting stuck, if you just don't seem to be able to get enough done or the right things done, then my book Start Now, Get Perfect Later would be for you. That's a book for people who are, who are living in fear, procrastination, overwhelm, not getting enough done, not managing their time well enough. So that was my take on a time management book. There's not just a another time management book. Yeah. So I would say that those are the three. If you're into property, Property Investing Secrets, which is a book I wrote, it's actually on edition five or six now, but um, so it's a, 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 a recent book, but I initially wrote it in 2008, um, if you want to get into property. That is incredible. And so it's brilliant that you've actually dissected and diagnosed what each book does for every single person, because myself personally, I have the, um, I can be known as a bit of a procrastinator without knowing why. So it's really good for me just to get these books myself because I'm going to be going through them anyway. They're actually on my reading list. Uh, might as well start again and just go through them right in the new year because it's always a brilliant way to go through it. So my question for you uh, now realistically has to just is around the idea of confidence because um, we've all been there at that point in our lives where, let's be honest, life has just kicked you in the nuts just one too many times. And, you know, you get hit, you shrivel down, you curl up a little bit for a second. My question is, when that happens to someone like you, what steps have you taken in the past and what steps do you take now to get yourself back into that confident mindset where you're ready to just come out and, you know, come out swinging again? Yeah. Okay. So there'd be a simple and a non-simple version of this question. So um, I'll start with the simple version. Depends on how you define being kicked in the nuts. Because yeah. let's, be, let's be honest, if you don't have to walk 20 miles to get water and you've got an internet connection and you've got some people that you love and you've still got all your family left and they haven't been murdered or taken away from you, then you're pretty fucking lucky. Yep. And I think sometimes we make our problems bigger than they are because we don't have good context. And so I always like to say to myself, Rob, this is a first world problem. Rob, this is a first world problem. Now, I don't, want to, um, I don't want to undermine people's problems because to you, Adil, to me, Rob, to Kieran, and to anyone watching or listening, when we have a problem, it's a real problem for us. And if someone says, oh, well, don't worry because you've got food on the table and, you know, you're healthy, if we've got a big problem, that doesn't make us feel better. In fact, we just want to turn them far off. So, um, but if once a week you visited a hospital, I went to the children's department where terminally ill children were. And once a week you flew to Africa where people are still murdering and raping 
family members in front of them and people are dying of a lack of sanitary cleanliness, then I don't think you're going to have any problem. So it's about contextualising what the kick in the nuts is. So I have property investors who get upset and depressed about a down valuation or if, if they lose a deal or um, if they get criticised or trolled online. But these are just normal things that happen in business. Now, I think if you've got your health and you've got your mental capacities, if you are mentally and physically well, you have everything to be grateful for. Agreed. And so I would say the main thing that will help you... Grant Cardone just said this is very good. Thanks, Grant. Um, So I would say on a simplistic level... Put your problems into context and you no longer have a problem. But on a deeper level, I would say, what is your attitude towards a problem? So most people's attitude to a problem is, why me? Why now? It's not fair. Why did they say it? Why aren't they doing this? It's like you have these expectations and standards of other people which is taking responsibility out of who you are and giving it to them why won't they say this why won't they do this why did they have to do this why did they have to say this why can't they just be like this whether it's a a partner um you know a a relation you know a, a commentator and all human beings struggle where they don't have control. And so if you, if you perceived you've been kicked, it's because you perceive that someone else should have treated you differently. But people only ever treat you how they treat you. And also the world is a mirror, so people treat you how you treat them. So taking full responsibility for everything that happens in your life and seeing everything that you perceive as a kick in the nuts or the shins, if you're a lady, mm-hmm. um, as... <laughs> done for you, not to you. This is huge, by the way. I was having a conversation with Ed Milet, and he said you can either see things as done for you or done to you. So done to you is they trolled me, they hated on me, they screwed me over in a deal, they robbed me, they they fucked me over. That's done to you. Or done for you is they gave me a gift, they gave me a lesson, they gave me a warning, they gave me a sign. You are grateful for things that are done for you. You are bitter and resentful and defensive about things that are done to you. I could go on, but I think there's some clear distinction. Yeah. What are you chucking out on Instagram, by the way? Grant Cardone is watching, and he said, get bigger problems. Yeah, get bigger problems. Your problems aren't small enough, aren't big enough. Then his second thing he said, my goal is to be as mentally deranged as Rob hearts. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, this is a good point that Grant's made. Um, like, I'll give you an example. I um, I felt I took my Ferrari and parked it at the petrol station where you park a car at the petrol station, perfectly parallel to the petrol pumps, with about you know a few inches of gap between the petrol pump and the car, and started filling up my car with petrol. And someone came up to me and went, "Rob, nice car." And I went, "Thanks, mate." And he's like, "Do you mind if I take a photo?" Um, and I was like, yeah, of course, because I want to be like, no, fuck off. Where are you going to post it? What are you going to do? Let me have a look. I just, yeah, why not? So I took a photo and then 
About an hour later, my business partner calls me up and he says, Rob, you are being trolled right now on a Facebook group called Parking Like a Twat in Peterborough. And there's this group that's got 10,000 members called Parking Like a Twat in Peterborough. And they put, put a picture of me filling up my Ferrari with petrol. To be fair to the guy, he said, hey, look, this guy, it's not about his parking, nice car. And I got trolled left, right and centre. Now, back to Grant's point about get bigger problems. If you're in a group bitching about someone filling up their car, you haven't got enough to do. You haven't, your problems are too small. You need bigger problems, more meaningful problems, more challenging problems, more life-changing problems, more contribution problems, more changing the world problems. And you know, this is a classic. People about who bitch about where you're parking your car, they're fucking bored. They haven't got enough to do. So they're, they're, they're too busy filling their life with minutiae. People who comment about politics, and bitch and moan about everyone. They haven't got enough meaningful stuff to do. So if you seek bigger problems, do more meaningful work, then I think, you know, worried about getting kicked in the balls or kicked in the shins or what people say, it's going to disappear. And I also think this. I think the reward for solving a problem is a bigger one. Yeah. And what a lot of people are looking to do is wish away their problems or hoping that someone else will fix it. And then when they do finally roll up their sleeves and fix a problem, all they do is go, oh, well, hopefully now everything's fixed and hopefully now I can relax and I shouldn't get any more problems because I fixed that one. The reward for solving a problem is a bigger one. The reward for solving that is a bigger one. The reward for solving that is a bigger one. Oh, and by the way, the bigger problems you solve, the more money you make, the smarter people that you meet, the more value that you create to the world, that your confidence goes up, your self-worth goes up, your um, brand uh, asset or resource goes up, your collaborations and joint venture uh, partnerships go up. I'll stop ranting now and take the next no, no. question. God, dude, I seriously sat here just taking notes myself and just like, oh shit, I need to actually like do some of these. And Grant, um, just A, thank you for being here. And B, that is a valid point about getting bigger problems because that's something just to uh, dovetail off the back of what you're saying as well, Rob. I've realized every time I've gotten, uh, I've solved a big problem in my life. Yeah, there's a bigger problem coming, but I'm now at a level where that big problem is like a happy challenge. Yeah. It's, it's, so this it's is a good point. Sorry, Adam, can I just jump in? Oh, please, by all means. You solve a problem, you like, you grow a layer of your skin. You know, they say like, right, have rhino skin. You know, have, have a bit of Teflon about you. Kevlar, like a bulletproof vest. Well, each problem you solve, it's like carbon dating. It just makes you, like, like the diamond is formed from the thousands of years of pressure. Yeah. And I see facing challenges the same way. Ed Milet said to me, self-worth is about keeping commitments to yourself. And I thought that was a really good way of doing it or, or seeing it. So I would say self-worth is making commitments to yourself and keeping them. But it's also about facing challenges and owning them and mastering them. You deal with a challenge, you give yourself confidence for a bigger challenge. You deal with that, you give yourself confidence for a bigger challenge. And by the way, there is no limit to the thickness of your skin and, and the level of your ability to seek bigger problems. So I think that's a good way of looking at it. It's like you're, you're training yourself to be able to handle bigger challenges. And anyone in business who know, who's been in business long enough knows things that used to upset you and anger you 10 years ago, they just wore off a duck's back now. Yeah, entirely. Sorry, I mean, to interrupt. I just thought it was a good oh, point, mate. Don't even, don't even apologize. That is fucking gold. And just to add in, it's it, this is a recommendation I actually have for you as well. By the way, 
uh, as a documentary. If you guys haven't seen um, Free Solo, have you seen it yet at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, um, oh. the two big climbing ones that everyone's talking about. Yeah. Free Solo was one. Uh, yeah, it's great, yeah. That's, a, that's an idea of a challenge because that guy has literally climbed El Capitan without any ropes, by the way. Huge fucking climb up. You, I, I don't know about you, but I white-knuckled it throughout the entire part. Right at the end, last 30 minutes, hand sweating. I was like, dear Lord, this is kind of scary, but kind of awesome. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, if you hear him right after he says this, he's like, I'm going to go find another thing I can go climb that's a little bit bigger and a little bit scarier. Yeah. That That is that is the growth mindset that the guy has. And it's really powerful. And something I really want to ask you uh, specifically on, actually I haven't so much ask you on this one, but it's, You've given so much from the show already, just from like the time that we spent together that my brain's kind of like, what the hell do I ask him next? Because like he's just blown me out of the water and what I was thinking, which is brilliant. My biggest, uh, actually, here's one for you. My, a personal thing that I'd really want to get from you as an idea would be if someone was, let's just say they're 25 years old. Oh, oh did it bounce or what? Uh, I don't know what. We're good. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I thought that that went elsewhere. Yep, yeah, sorry, I thought we lost for a second. So uh, the question I actually have for you that would actually be quite powerful for everyone is that if you're, let's say you're 30, let's say you're 25 years old. You're 25 years old, you've been running a business for some time, you're running head into wall, have no idea what you're doing, and you're in the middle of nowhere. That's basically it. You, you, you're you in the middle of nowhere and you've got no money to actually invest in what you're doing. What is the simplest first step that you can take? take I know we've covered a lot of this, but I want a very specific first step because I know I've been asked by so many people this in the past where I'll give them all the answers and they'll be like, yeah, but what's step number one? Okay, so I'm going to give you two things. Um, the great thing about the internet being the great network effect enabler right now is you can both crowdsource product or service ideas and connect with already experienced people instantly and simultaneously so you're hitting a wall you're 25 you've got no resources and no assets what are the two things you said one i'll say two that you can do number one is you get into communities on facebook uh, and you engage with um, people and companies who have the products and services in your space and your niche and you start engaging in discussions with people asking them what are their problems what are their pains what are their desires and needs and very quickly, you can crowdsource a minimum viable product, whether that's information, education, a physical product like an e-commerce product. You can just figure out what trends are, what people are talking about right now, right now, or some kind of service like mentoring or masterminding or whatever. And you can do that easier than ever. You can get products and services launched in hours or days that might have taken weeks or years. And the key thing is it's got to be a mix of what you're interested in delivering, but also what the market has shown you that it wants. But you go and ask the market. It's easier than ever to go and ask the market. On the one side, you do that. On the other side, you find out what the top companies, the top influencers and the top mentors in these niches. You know, let's say, for example, in e-commerce or in being an entrepreneur, you follow them everywhere. You engage with them on their social media. You occasionally private message them, maybe making a small request for a bit of help. You go to their events, you join their online programs, you stalk them out, 
You go wide at first, follow 30 or 40 people, consume all the free stuff and the wide stuff. You know, so Grant's on my live stream. People follow people like me and Grant. You can get our books and our podcasts for not much money on Audible, on Amazon, on all the podcast apps. You can follow us on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, etc. You can consume hundreds of hours of our content and then for free and get loads of stuff to start you off. And then if you like us more, then you follow us deeply. So you come on all of our courses, you get mentored by us. You go in masterminds that we're on once you've figured out who you like. And both of those two things you can do in hours and days and weeks instead of months, years and decades. I agree and love that entirely. I'm going to add one more thing to that. And it's just dovetail. It's like a 2.5 to what you just said. Listen to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. Like fucking subscribe and listen to it religiously if you're not already doing so. Uh, Personally for myself, I actually tend to listen to it when I'm running. It's just a fun little thing, or if I'm going to the gym, it's a great way of actually influencing the way that I start my day and start my mind. And as as you've read, by the way, for the people that are listening to this uh, on my show, you're not seeing the comments that are coming on Facebook, but they're just like, Rob speaks with incredible energy. Rob is so passionate. This is incredible, so powerful. It's true. Why do you think I listened to the man? Why do you think I wanted him on the show? It's because he's incredible in what he does. And in the time that we spent together, I'm fucking taking notes and going, I need to listen to this again. Thank you. Uh, we're 430-something episodes in. Actually, today, Grant, the, the second episode I did with Grant Cardone went live, so it was, it was good timing. Um, Grant's one of my favorite people in the world right now. Uh, he's just, it's awesome what he does. Um, and by the way, um, following people on social media, getting your content out there on social media, doing podcasts, it's the most fantastic way to meet inspiring people. Like if you go through the 120 people I've interviewed, some of the most successful people on the planet and some of the most disruptive and some of the most quirky, like not the usual people that do the circuit. Like 20 years ago, how long would it have taken me to meet all these people, these billionaires who I have dinner with, you know, these amazing influencers I I met. um, So in the last week, I met uh, David Lloyd and hung out at his house, who David Lloyd Jim's huge. I, I met a chap who's got a company that's worth 700 million and he's he's the biggest owner of property in his demographic in the whole of Europe. And I um, spent the day with a, a billionaire. So in a week, without a podcast and without the internet and without social media, how the fuck are you going to get that done in a week? Unless you're a, a professional stalker and you actually know how to stalk people out properly. But, you you know, you might get a restraining order um, back on yourself for that. But... That's Unless the beauty about the internet, about social media, about podcasts. You know, we get to meet through this medium. Yeah. That's, I, mean, that's, medium. I mean, I was going to say podcasting has massively changed the way I do my life. Uh, I've run my business and had, you know, everything go on in my life. It's been six years. It's been one of the greatest tools. Because again, without it, you and I would never be speaking. Yeah. Like, have, you, have you been doing your podcast six years? Yeah. Six years in January. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it was... It's one of those things. I absolutely love doing this. This is more of a... I hate when people say this is a hobby. It isn't. For me, this is just pure passion. I fucking love doing this show. Like, every day I get... Every week. Like, to give you an idea, I record on Thursdays. This Thursday, I have seven straight shows back-to-back. Wow. And that's just because I love getting on the phone with people and be like, right, let's have a conversation. But, Rob, you've been an absolute fucking legend. 
And I might ask uh, one final very quick question. And it's going to be a recommendation for three books that you would recommend and three movies you would recommend that everyone listening should go ahead and watch and read. Okay, right. This is and actually it can't be yours. And it can't yeah, be your books because they're, they're that, books. Don't worry. Uh, you've done my plugging for me. Thank you. This is actually a very easy question to answer, but I want to give you some context. I believe books you watch and movies you watch, they're all about where you are at, at the time. So I could give you a book recommendation based on opening your mind in business, but if you're already doing 10 million, that book's not going to give you the same impact. So what I'm going to do is going to give you three different types of books, and then um, I'm going to give you three different types of documentary movies. Excellent. So the books, if you are just starting out and you don't really know what's out there and you want a seminal piece of work, which stands the test of time for decades is Think and Grow Rich. And that completely ripped open my mind. It's like it opened one door and now all of a sudden there's an infinite number of doors in front of me. The single best autobiography I think I've ever read, and I've read loads of great ones, so this is hard, but if I had to pick one that I'm on a desert island on, is Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I love the fact that he's multi-skilled and multi-successful and multi-disciplined. I love the fact that he loves America, even though he's not American. And I love the fact that he's an immigrant and he started with nothing and he worked his way up. And he's very charismatic. Massively. I mean, you've met him. Uh, yeah, and he's awesome. And then the third one I'm going to give you is probably the most impactful business book I've read at the time. I hit a ceiling, maybe two or three million. I was seeking out answers and I hadn't got them. Um, a book called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Now, if you're at 50 million, this book's not going to be the best for you. And if you've just started, it's not going to be the best for you. But if you've got an existing business, you want to go to the next level, I found that book really insightful, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Cool, books. And I could recommend hundreds. Um, <laughs> by the way, anything by Dr. John Demartini or by Grant Cardone, I definitely recommend as well. Agreed. All right, next then is films. I'm not going to give you film documentaries, film um, recommendations. I'm giving you documentary recommendations. Wins. In reverse order, the best three I've ever watched are Senna, Onet and Senna. Brilliant. Um, the, the story of Billy Munger, who was a Formula 4 driver who crashed and he had his legs amputated, and uh, his whole story about how he recovered from that. I'm, I'm interviewing for my podcast, by the way. Amazing. The best documentary that he's ever been, and um, Grant, I hope you watch this because I recommended this to Grant, is um, McQueen um, on Alexander McQueen. I love Alexander McQueen. He, he jams so much into to 20 years. It's emotional, it's moving, it's dark, it's inspiring altogether. So they are the three film recommendations. You can't beat them. I love that. that just giving me something else to actually put on for uh, one of my trips I'm going on very, very soon. Guys, uh, thank you so much again for being here, Rob. I actually appreciate the fuck out of you for doing this. Um, and everyone else watching this, please go ahead and subscribe to the disruptive entrepreneur go read all of rob's books the ones especially recommended um i'm going to be doing that over christmas as is and as always again one last time rob thank you so much for being here please uh rate comment subscribe share if you find this valuable comment uh, just you know do what you can to actually support the show i appreciate you guys and yours is cool can you just shout out the name of your podcast so my viewers can find it Sure, it's Adil Amarsi Unplugged. So my first name, surname, Unplugged. And we are live every Friday. We drop a new episode every Friday. 
Um, so please right. go check that out. Cool. Thanks again, Rob, Thank for doing you very this. Much. Cheers. See you guys later.